How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello, and welcome to Gaze on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching. I'm Ned. And I'm Declan. And in this episode, we'll be talking about not one, not two, not two, but three films in this very special episode. The Battle of the Pinocchios. 2022 was an unusually puppet-filled year, so to try and find out who's a real boy and who is just a notch on the bedpost... <laughs> We'll be oh putting three Pinocchio <laughs> movies head to head to head in a series of categories. In the running are Disney's original animated classic from 1940, the live action remake that they did uh, in 2022, and Guillermo del Toro's stop frame animation stop retelling, also from 2022. <laughs> Remember, there will be plenty of spoilers, so take that as a warning and proceed with caution. Uh, what have you written here? Oh, one of the films came out <laughs> over 80 years ago, so I think you'll be all right. Plus, most people know the story of Pinocchio anyway. Um, but before all that, Declan, I'd love to know what you've been up to since we last recorded. Oh, I like that little blurb you did. That was fun. Head to head to head. Oh, I had such a good time, right? Who's a real boy and who's just a notch on the bet? That was good. I told I'm you, proud. I've had such a productive day. You have, yeah. yeah. I guess if we've got a bit more time and I say it to your king, you take the lead on this one. That's that. That's the... That's, you know you're you in know. safe hands. Exactly. But what have I been up to? What have I been watching? So, I mean, I've been here, there and everywhere we work this week, but I've still managed to watch some bits. Um... We've continued watching Bad Sisters together, which we're loving on Apple TV+. Plus. Yes, we are. Very funny. We're on about episode six, um, and I think so that means I think we've got four more. Um, I'd very, I know a lot of people don't necessarily have access to Apple TV, but most people, like if you get an Apple device, they give you a free, I think six months maybe, and most people have probably bought an Apple device fairly recently. And I think in the war with streaming at the minute and the diminishing quality of Netflix shows, I'd literally probably cancel Netflix for a bit and use your Apple. use Apple TV if you were if you were looking at how much you spend on kind of streaming and mm. stuff because there's so much good stuff on there. This is just scratching the surface, like surface surface. Like we want to watch Severance. There's a few <laughs> others we want to watch as well. So yeah, 
What are you laughing at me for? Just that you were like getting all on a roll and then you couldn't think of what we wanted to watch. <laughs> I'm also watching Servant on there, season three. Um, I've watched Never a couple of episodes. Of it. It's really good. Oh, okay. um, it's an M. Night Shyamalan TV show. Um, the first season was like amazing. I remember... Um, oh my God, I've totally forgot the, f- the name of that serious, really famous horror writer. Stephen King came to me once I said it. Yeah. Um, he was like, I remember he tweeted like, this was one of the best shows ever, and one of the best horror things. Ooh. And you don't, still don't really know what's going on. And the fourth season's just dropped, which is the final one. Um, so hopefully I'm going to watch just, all that. Just um, dropped. <laughs> just dropped today when we were recording mm. on Friday the 13th. Um, I'll give us some. Also finished, you know, a bit of a documentary, Miriam Margulies' Australia Unmasked, which was very yeah, good. Yeah, thanks for watching the last one without me. Well, I haven't Rude. seen you all for a few days and I'd really just I saw you yesterday to... morning. <laughs> I really just wanted to get it off my watch list and I mm. thought I wanted an easy watch last night when I was in bed and I thought I'll just watch a bit of Miriam. So, mm. um, and I'm going to see her in October, thanks to my very kind friend Theo, who bought mm. me a ticket for my birthday, so... You know, I was actually thinking when I finished it, everything Miriam Margulies, content-wise, I just want to watch. Like, every documentary she does, everything, I just find her so fascinating as a Those person. Those people find her really off-putting because she's a bit... swears a lot and talks about farts and poos and things. But she's so insightful. It's when you get that bit where she... she you can tell she really loves humans and, like, yeah. how people interact at all, yeah. all different creeds and walks of society and she wants to learn because mm. i think she identifies with herself that she's quite a she came from quite a privileged upbringing i think mm. um and just wanted to know all that kind of stuff and this the, the premise of this show is in australia there's always been a a term where they say a fair go like if you come to australia you'll get a fair go um but i think with a lot of countries at the minute like it's a bit similar to the american dream in the sense that Mm. is it actually for everybody or is it just the privileged few so it was really good nice. and in the last episode she went to this like nudist camp and it was hilarious um all these people who were just naked all the time um look did, did in case look... you didn't know what nudist no but it was, it, you know it, it was quite it did look quite empowering but definitely not for me um well it's like, a bit cold here well yeah but they're like it's not sexual and and, I, and you know when you see naked people i think we've been kind of What's the word? Conditioned. Conditioned to think, oh, everything's sexual when somebody's naked, but it doesn't have to be, and it was really interesting. Um, we've just finished watching Magic Mike, but I'm going to leave that because I was hoping to do a legacy... Well, I call it a legacy Oh, episode. I thought we were just watching it so we could do an episode on the new one. I no. I do old episodes. We are. I haven't got enough to say about it. I don't I like have. it. I have. Well, you can say all that. It's not very often we get on an episode where we actually don't like the film. So I'd be quite interested to say why you didn't like it. Okay, fine. So I'm going to leave that for now. But one of our cinema trips this week that we didn't go, that we're not doing an episode on, was Empire of Light, um, which I really liked and Ned absolutely adored. Um, I was really sceptical going into it because of some kind of mixed reviews that it's had. It's only got like 49% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and, but I found it so captivating, like, I sat there and I thought, I don't really have very high expectations. And I know it, the premise of the film is kind of a love letter to cinema and a love story in, in that as well. But I didn't really know what. Um, but it just, it 
it really, I think I give it three and a half, but you give it five, so tell oh, us more what it. you thought. It's one of those films that really, you, you like live in it for a couple of hours. Yeah. Um, I don't know how else to put it. Like It just it felt and I w- beautiful, and I love Olivia Colman. Yeah, I do. Um, so anything she's in just has my heart. But I just thought it was really, really nicely done. Um, and every frame looked like a picture, which when you celebrate in cinema, yeah. you would think, and some of the con- some of the content in the film talks about what cinema actually is. Yeah. Um, but It was very postcardy, which I loved because it was set on the coast, the south coast of England. Um, 1981, there was, like, mentions of political goings-on. There was um, scenes of, like, um, white supremacist violence and things um just a lot of yeah it was interesting to see that because i didn't even realize you know there was almost like a version of the proud boys in that the was UK. when the edl was yeah. like becoming a thing yeah yeah a big thing but what was interesting yeah. how the main character one of the main characters who was black is how he said it didn't used to be like this no, but now it got it's got worse. worse yeah so yeah um but yeah, I would recommend it. It's still on at the cinema as the as this episode goes out, and I think it'll probably be in there for another couple of weeks. But it's quite a small scale indie film, so I don't think it'll stick around on um, cinemas long. But it is Fox. Uh, no, it's not Fox anymore. But it's Searchlight Pictures, which normally means it goes on Disney Plus. So oh, okay. if you're listening to this yeah. episode a while into the future, check it out on Disney Plus. Yes. What else have you watched then? I see a few bits on your on your list. Um. Well, as you know, because I've been complaining at you the last couple of days, I've had a bit of a migraine, mm. um, which means I sleep at the most random times. And in between my bouts of sleep last night, I was watching Murder on the Orient Express, which I didn't think all that much to, to be honest. Um, but that was exactly what I needed. Did we see Death on the Nile together, or did you not see that no, with I me? Seen it. Well, that was better than Death on the Nile, so. Yeah, I think I got that impression anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, but I didn't really care much for Kenneth Branagh as Poirot. Do you not like his Tash game? No, it's not that. No. Um, I just, to me, Poirot should be really charismatic, really likeable, and like, I don't know, you're, just, you're rooting for the case to get solved. Mm. Because I didn't really like him. wasn't really asked whether he solved the case or not. And then when he did, and it was everyone, and I just thought... Spoilers. <laughs> um, I just thought, ugh. had a good I mean? cast, though, didn't it? Yeah, it was a good cast. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, what did you give it? Two? That might have been a two as well, actually. I wonder if there's, like, a... <laughs> when you get a migraine, Ned's star <laughs> ratings go down. down. <laughs> you can't be bothered with we'll it. We'll see, we'll <laughs> see. Um, when the doctor asks you, is there a pattern to your migraines? We're like, oh, I can't remember, but if I look at my letterbox, I can actually see that. I must have had one then. Mm. You probably had one then. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. No, but actually, I did watch Pottery Throwdown, because that started again. And it is honestly the most wholesome TV on Channel 4. Oh, is it Channel 4? Yeah. Um, I love it. Keith, the head judge, cries because he loves pottery so much, and it's just the most warming and oh, just very comforting television. Um, and you get to watch loads of people play with clay, so cool. very nice. Uh, and also, season 15 of RuPaul's Drag Race has started again. 
I can't with all these drag roasts. I don't watch the American one anymore. It's too much for me. Some of them look like look quite good, to be fair, in this season, so I might stick with Isn't it. Isn't there, like, absolutely loads of them as well? Oh, my God, yeah, there's, like, 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, that's it. Um, not, nothing major on my watch list for no. this week. Um, but what's been in the news, King? So, I always like to have a bit of news to, to say and this week we had the return of the Golden Globes as they weren't on in 2022 due to some kind of controversy with the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Were um, they were they like um, cancelled but not in the like capital C way because of racism? Kind of. There's a bit more to it than that, but I think it, there's a lot of controversy with kind of when Emily in Paris won as well, um, the best TV show, which is crazy. That um, is crazy. People were saying the only reason it won is because the crew kind of invited some of the press, Hollywood Foreign Press Association, like to Paris to see it filming and all that, and the schmooze. So it's not like oh. it's more, it's like nep- Hollywood nepotism. Who yeah. do you know? And the Golden Globes is famously renowned for everyone calling it the just star fuckers, like they'll look at the the films that have been out and they'll just try to get the best stars in the room rather mm. than and the best nominee group of nominees from who's gonna have, you know, the best ratings. But yeah. it has Does the word superficial spring to mind? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Although I actually think this year was pretty fair. Obviously they split their movies into kind of drama and then music or comedy, which I think is a little bit strange, but uh, best drama went to the Fablemans, which we're yet to see. Um, people were saying that probably wasn't out of the five. It it was a bit of a shock. People were either thinking Tar or Top Gun Maverick or even Avatar: The Way of Water. Um, but be interesting to see that film at the end of the month when it comes out in the UK to see what happens with that. Mm-hmm. Um, when it came to musical or comedy, um, the Banshees of Inisherin won, which we stupidly didn't mention on our review with review of 2022 it was like one omission and we had seen it i know we said oh we haven't seen every film and we both loved it and we loved it so i don't know why we'd completely glazed over that but that won best motion picture musical or comedy and colin farrell won best actor in a musical or comedy and i do think colin farrell is probably going to be up there with kind of sweeping the 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 award season wins mm. between him yeah. and probably Brendan Fraser um for the, for the whale, whale which, we've which also we're still not, seen, not yeah. still yet to see this is that annoying time of year when everyone in America has seen the awards films and we're yet to see most of them um but what was interesting in that category that Austin Butler won as Elvis um and that was interesting because people saying Brendan Fraser said he was going to kind of boycott still the Globes this year. So they're Mm. wondering, oh, well, we're not going to give it to somebody who will nominate them, but they won't win. Mm, (laughs) Um, It was really funny. There was loads of stuff about Austin Butler is still using his Elvis voice, and there's been loads of old clips of what he used to sound like. And he even said in his acceptance speech, saying people say that I still use my Elvis voice, so I kind of must do. And when you listen to him, he does sound like he's still in the Well, film. I did hear but... him, and I was like, is that what he sounds like? Because I can see why he got cast for it, if that's his voice. But you should see old clips. Sorry. Clips I can't believe you're vaping while we're recording, <laughs> Sorry, I'll put it down. Um, like, old clips of him when he was, like, 20, 
and his voice is so different. Mm. But I guess if you've lived and breathed a role, it could happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I hear Lady Gaga was Italian for months. I'm so worried for her welfare as she's now filming Joker 2. <laughs> and that's a dark role that mm. she's probably playing. Um, one of the films that we're discussing today won Best Animated. And I do think that will be the kind of front runner for all the awards Gemma del Toro's Pinocchio. <sighs> Um, although Marcel the shoe with shoes on is shell with shoes on. What did I say? Shoe with shoes on. <laughs> um, is also kind of up there, and so is Puss in Boots apparently. So yeah, oh, um, interesting. Kate Blanchett is pretty much expected to sweep the boards this award season because uh, due to her performance in Tar, um, which we're going to see this weekend, which yeah. I'm very excited for. Um, Michelle Yeoh won. Best performance in a musical or comedy for Everything Everywhere All at Once, which was great to see. As did Ki Hui Kwan um, for Best Supporting. And his speech was really wholesome because Steven Spielberg was in the room. Mm. And he said, like, thanks, Steven, for giving me my big break in Raiders of the Lost Star. Yeah. And, and then, then the Goonies. Goonies. So, you know, it was quite a wholesome moment. The fact was that the Goonies, Spielberg was Steven there. Spielberg. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Um, and the MCU got its first award for an acting gong. Angela Bassett. Yes. Yes. Um, and there's talk that she could, you know, she could win more. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be major kudos for that film and Marvel if she wins best the Oscar for it. Um, but we shall see with yeah. that. Um, um, and then other bits I kind of want, Steven Spielberg won for the film, Fableman's Best Director. Um, best screenplay was Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inner Sharon, which I haven't seen a lot of the other films that were up, but I would agree that it's an incredibly well-written film. Um, best score, Justin Hurwitz for Babylon, um, which I have listened to some of the score that they've released, and it's so jazzy and out there and over the top, and I can't wait to hear it on the big screen when we go to see Babylon. Hmm. So that's movies, and then quickly, just to have a look at TV... Um, best drama was House of the Dragon, which I was a little bit shocked at. Um, I do think House of the Dragon was very good, and I enjoyed it a lot. But I, th- I did think there was the way people talk about Severance; it would have been a shoe in for Severance or Ozark, especially with it being Ozark's final season, because they like to reward shows as they go out. Yeah. Um, Abbott Cemetery won Best Musical or Comedy, which we've not, I've not watched, but yeah. it's like an American sit not sitcom-ish, but it's on Disney+, Plus. apparently it's really good. Mm-hmm. White Lotus, Beth's anthology, which is great. A um, couple of acting gongs that I just wanted to shout out. Evan Peters for Dharma. Um, <laughs> don't know how I feel about that one. Uh, I thought it was very good, um, but looking at some of the other people in there, Taron Egerton's... Edgerton? Edgerton role in Blackbird, which I have not seen on Apple TV, which is another one I'd like to watch on mm. is is meant to be phenomenal. And I didn't think Evan Peters was like... He was just... He was good. But I wouldn't say it was award-winning, would you? As Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't know. I didn't finish it. Oh, did you not? No. But from what you saw, it's fine, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then just wanted to shout out to our gay icon Jennifer Coolidge for winning Best Supporting Actress for Mm. a limited series in The White Lotus Season 2. And just all of the content that comes out for her as 
you know it's hilarious when she's on awards when she does a when she does a acceptance speech when she's getting interviewed by the press afterwards like everything's just like what'd she say she wanted to play a dolphin dolphin and they were like oh like uh, animated dolphin she's like no like i'd love to play a dolphin (laughs) um and yeah just iconic basically but yeah that's the golden globe so that's the start um, of awards season a special mention though should go out to um mj rodriguez who last year became the first ever trans woman to win a golden globe but obviously it wasn't televised so it didn't get the was that last year was that the year before though because i don't even think it wasn't televised like it wasn't on i didn't think it's not on well what i'm reading said it wasn't televised oh um, but yes, it was good. When but she yeah, won. it got a special shout out from Ryan Murphy this year, um, and MJ was there at the ceremony. So nice little moment for her. Um, yes, and worth the shout out. Well, what a time we've had! <laughs> but now it's time to cast our minds into the future and get excited for what's coming up in the world of film. It's time now for trailer trash or treasure, and what we've decided is. Ned's going to pick one, and then I'm going to pick one, and this time it's it's your turn. So mm-hmm. what have we got this time? Well, this week, King, we've got... Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. <laughs> Apparently it's a famous book. Famous book from, I want to say, like the 50s or the 60s. Oh, that or the old, 70s, right. Like, old book. Right. Um, and it's finally a film. So, should we watch yeah um listeners the link's in the show notes if you'd like to pause now and watch along please do see you after the sparkles what did you think to that then i think that looks incredibly sweet yeah very nice coming of age story great cast coming of age in three generations as well yeah yeah and it um, i also must got the when it says it's 50 years old it must have been quite a forward progressive book when it came out if girls of that age were talking about periods and growing their bust and I don't know sometimes I do wonder just how stone age it actually was back then in the 70s yeah yeah because like it was after the summer of love that's very true so yeah um but no it looks very good i love when trailers get a and introducing credit about a young oh, yeah. actor because i think they obviously are putting a lot of kind of marketing behind this fabulous new actor that they've discovered. And then I always like to watch whatever their journey then becomes from that. So I always yeah. think that's really nice. It definitely um, gives you a sense that they've got faith in that actor. Yes. Yeah. It's good to see Rachel McAdams. Good to see Kathy Bates. Um, very female centric, which is nice because yeah. we still don't get a lot of female, like female gays kind of role not female gays as in lesbians but you know gays as in yeah glasses yes yeah um yeah very i'm looking forward to that and it looks like it's going to be spring i mean it said that it said april for in that trailer but said 0408 and i never know if that's that is fourth of august or april the 8th i would guess it's april the 8th although i thought it said april the 28th to be honest um, but let me see if it's on IMDb. Okay. Yes, in the UK release schedule for IMDb says it's also out here on the 28th of April. So not that long. Oh, well, I got that date wrong then, didn't I? Yeah, well. Um, but no, should be should be good. Out in cinemas as well, which is a treat for a film like that, because it's not a blockbuster, but 
it's nice to see films like that go into the onto the big screen. Yes. Um, looks fun. It does. It certainly yeah. does. Okay, so the headline feature. The headline nice. feature, um, which we had this idea to do the Battle of Pinocchios because, as Ned said in his wonderful introduction, um, there was quite a lot of puppetry. Uh, puppetry last year in movies. Um, so I wonder if they were, if anybody from either studios communicated that they were releasing a Pinocchio movie. Probably not. If it just happened by chance. Yeah, but anyway, Battle of the Pinocchios coming right up after this ad break. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so let's go. Um, so we've got Pinocchio 1940. We've got Pinocchio 2022. And then we've got Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio 2022. We do. Um, and so what we're going to do, what we're going to do, what we're going to do, gonna do is, is we've got four categories coming up and we're going to have a little bit of a chat about which one is the best for each category. Mm. And then I think if I keep score, maybe we'll just come out with a winner and see how we feel about the winner. Yes, let's do that. That feels fine. But shall I do a quick synopsis first? I was going to say, just catch our listeners up with the story of Pinocchio, And regardless of the version and when it's set in a time, it's pretty much always the same story. So I will catch you up. Set in a small Italian town, toy maker Geppetto grows lonely in his solitude. One day he makes a puppet before he goes to bed that night, wishes on a star for a son. That night, the Blue Fairy (laughs) grants Geppetto's wish by breathing life into the puppet. She tells him to become a real boy. Sorry. She tells him that to become a real boy, he must learn the difference between right and wrong. To guide the way, Jiminy Cricket is dubbed Pinocchio's conscience as the boy embarks on the adventure of a lifetime. Did you like that? I did. Did you write that yourself? I did, actually. I'm very proud. Right from my brain. But obviously, before we get into the categories, Pinocchio whilst we give the synopsis, mm. is a fictional character um, from a children's novel, The Adventures of Pinocchio, which mm-hmm. was written in 1883. Yes. Long, long time ago. Um, there are some, in each version, there are kind of some diversions from the original fairy tale. Um, I was listening to a podcast yeah. today about Disney's Pinocchio uh, with a great podcast called Disney Versity, which I would recommend for any other film lovers who obviously listen to this um but like as an example in one version it was like it wasn't a toy 
it was a log that became sentient rather than a puppet. Okay. Um, but, you know, it's become a cultural icon. It's been reimagined many times, three of which we're obviously talking about now. What I thought was interesting is the name Pinocchio is possibly derived from the rare Tuscan form, Pinocchio, meaning pine nut, or constructed from pino, which is pine tree or pine wood, and occhio, which is, can you guess? Occhio. No. I. I. Yes. Right. Um, So let's dive in. What's the first category that you've said we should discuss? The first category is production value and music. Okie doke. So I think with music, obviously a very, very good place to start is the original Disney version. Yes. Um, Because music was integral to that, that version of it. Um, and kind As of, with many Disney films. Exactly, and kind of paved the way for the music in other versions. And some of the music in this film has obviously become so famous when it comes to Disney because when you wish upon a star is, you know, the Disney logo and theme when, when any Disney film starts. Mm-hmm. Um, I've Got No Strings is kind of a famous Disney yeah. song. Yeah. Um, it did win at the Academy Awards the year it came out. Best music, best original score, um, and best original song for When You Wish Upon a Star. A full of facts. I know, I've done my research, yeah. I've done my research. And, yeah, so it's it's very much a kind of, it paved the way for Disney. And mm. as far as I'm aware, it was the, it was the, it was, Disney's second animated feature ever. After Snow, Snow White. White. Um, so, yeah, Snow White was 1937 and then Pinocchio was 1940, yeah. which is mad to think it came out then. It was a bit of a box office bomb, um, mainly due to... Not World War Two, was it? It, it was, yeah. Mm. Good guess. Um, but it did get a reissue in 1945 and that from then was considered one of the greatest animated films ever made. Oh, lovely. Um, so, yeah, I think it's... The music is, in all of the films, is great and has some cultural significance. Um, I remember being in Disney World and hearing When You Wish Upon a Star and you get all those kind of feels from it. Um, oh, that's nice. Especially when the fireworks are on at a night and they, they have that as the one of the songs that they do. Right. Um, I would say the live action remake, which is for me going to be quite a common theme when we talk about the live the Disney live action mm. remake, um, kind of sucks the life out of the songs a little bit. Did it have the same songs in it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. My point. Exactly. So, um, and you know, you've got a voice like Cynthia Erivo, who is an amazing singer. Yeah. But a lot of what I'm going to talk about, as I say, with the live action is just it feels like it didn't it didn't have that charm of the... There wasn't really any energy in the live no, action remake. No, not I at all. I think. It was um, really phoned in. And kind of thinking about production value, you would expect that being 82 years later the live-action remake would be significantly better in terms of its construction. And it wasn't. Mm. And therefore, for me, I think the original was made better. Yeah. Because even though, like, 
technology is better now. It didn't have any of the magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, sorry about that. Yeah. Not it, sorry. And the production design of the live-action remake, I, as well, thought looked like every single frame was on a soundstage. Like, do you remember I said? Yeah. It very clearly is meant to look like it's in an Italian town, but and none of it not. looks like it's in an Italian town. Yeah. Um, I thought the CGI in certain bits was good. Um, I thought Jiminy Cricket looked great, but I thought that the the design of Pinocchio looked a bit strange as well. It's it like didn't quite tuck- fit in with the rest of no, it. No, Pinocchio like looked like he was glued on top. It's like they took it. They obviously took quite a faithful recreation of the animated version. Yeah. But I think when you go live action, you should adapt it for that that medium. And I think plonking the the exact same design yeah. did look a bit. Weird. Yeah. Um, I did also like how scary the original was. Mm-hmm. And then that was all lost in the new one as well. Although I would say Guillermo del Toro's one was still quite scary Very again. scary, yeah. yes. I wouldn't yeah, say it's, I a, did like that, it's a particularly... Like, obviously, I think when a lot of people hear animated, they immediately think it's a children's film. But I wouldn't... When we have kids, I wouldn't say Pinocchio is going to be one that I show to them when they're particularly young. Cause it I does... would watch it with them, but I wouldn't plonk them in front of the telly to watch it. Yeah, because I think, you know, when they change, when that boy get, changes into like a donkey and mm. it's quite... A bit scary. It is quite a bit to deal with and and yeah. some of the visuals are quite scary and the whale mm. in the in the original is quite quite a lot. Um, oh, I loved what Guillermo del Toro did with the whale there. Yeah, it turned it into like this sea beast sea creature with scary eyes and big like trunks on the side of its head. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. But when we're talking about production design, mm. we obviously need to talk about the way Gemma del Toro's was obviously done as a stop motion, stop frame animation yeah. film. Yeah. Like I've seen quite a few behind the scenes videos and clips of how oh. they filmed it, and the craft that goes into that is just absolutely on stunning. Another level. Yeah. Um, I um, like. I love Gemma del Toro because he, oh, you can tell he's a bit of a weirdo. Yeah. And that comes through with his films, but yeah. I love that from for him because. He just cares so much about it. And yeah. I think the way he's talked about Pinocchio in press and said how important animation is mm. and how, as a medium, it's not just for kids, it's for everybody. Um, I just think it, it looks stunning. And some of the creatures, like, the design of Pinocchio is really cool. I found it a bit unnerving to get used to Pinocchio the way he is, of all of those, like, nails drunkenly hacked into his back yeah yeah and things um but kind of once you get into it it's i I really really like it i think it adds perfect charm to the boy pinocchio but even the design of geppetto like you could almost see the sadness in his face from obviously losing his son carlo yeah and replacing him with Pinocchio, but like to see that on what is basically a piece of clay, piece of clay mm. is is pretty is pretty oh, yeah. good. 
Um, what did you think of the songs in the Guillermo del Toro one? Um, the songs, I can't really remember them. And to think I've only just watched it very recently, as in mm. today, mm. you would think I should. Um, so I would say the songs were fine, but I think what I definitely liked was the score. But if you want to comment on the songs first. Well, I re- like, yeah, like to get you, in I don't remember any of them. Like, they've not stuck in my head. No. But I do remember how they made me feel while I was watching it. Oh, yeah. And a few of them made me laugh, and a few of them were a little bit more like carry through the story. Um, although I must admit, at times it was hard to hear the lyrics. Oh, really? I thought his voice when he was singing was a little bit soft, which was in stark contrast to original animated Pinocchio, whose voice was grating and shrill. What did you think? Yes. I've got no string. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can hear it. It's like, <laughs> it's like scratching a chalkboard. But I do think the score for um, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is great. Um, yeah, fantastic. And that was done by Alexandra, Alexandra Desplat, yeah. um, who is a very famous composer who okay. has done the likes. He works quite a lot with Wes Anderson. He did The Isle uh, of Dogs. Okay. Yeah. He did The French Dispatch. He also did The Shape of Water which with Guillermo del Toro, which did have an mm. amazing score as well. Um, and just... Fabulous. He did Little Women as well. Do you remember the score from that the other week when you watched it? I do, it? I enjoyed that. Yeah. Very um, amazing. Very he's easy also to connect with. doing the score for Greta Gerwig's upcoming Barbie. Um, and Wes Anderson's new Very film, exciting. Asteroid City. So, I think yes. I might have to dress really camp when we go and see Barbie. You've got a bit of a Barbie outfit. Do you remember when you wore it for Manchester Pride? I do, yes. And it will be summer. That's what so. I was thinking. Oh, a perfect. version of. You'll um, see pictures on the gram. Have you got anything more to say on production value and music? Oh, production value, a bit more on Gemma del Toro's. Go on. The water was cool. Because obviously playing with water with puppets must be quite difficult. So I don't think it and was obviously frame. actually water. Yeah. But the way they kind of layered in potentially that CGI, I thought, was something of note. Mm. And I also just kind of want to shout out to the original. Because it was the second disney animated film mm-hmm. um and yes it's 2d animation in very early form but its colors are very nice and it looks great and to think that that was sketched by people in a yeah. time where animation was very much in its infancy i just thought that deserved a bit of a shout out as well i'm glad you did excellent thank you well shall we rank the three on that then yes what was third place for you in terms of production value and music, if it even needed saying? The new live-action remake. Correct. Same. Um, how about second place? don't know. That's a bit tougher. I think I'm quite comfortable in my decision. Okay. What's yours? I would put the original 1940s second and Guillermo del Toro's first. Really? Yeah. And I'll tell you why. The original, obviously, was during a time where animation was in its infancy and therefore didn't have a lot at its disposal. Still made a cracking film, let me say. It's not like a... It's not a bad second place. Mm -hmm. But with the 80 years that has come since, 
I think Guillermo del Toro took advantage of the tools at his disposal to a far greater effect. And I think you've probably argued it well enough that I would agree, because I think Wonderful. the craft that goes into that live action, uh, yeah. stop motion animation is just... Yeah, and that adds an extra layer to it as well. When everything, you could do something CGI and they still went and did it with their hands. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why it, it pips the mark for me. Took two years to make as well. Exactly, like, so, come on. Yeah. Right then, imagine the next the, category. Sorry, but oh, just on. before we... Imagine the intricacy of what that looks like on a set. Oh, no. Like, I don't... I can, I, like, from the, the behind the scenes that I've seen, I've not seen how big it looks. Like, you can see the scene as the film in it, but yeah. I don't know if they almost do it big. And then it just looks smaller on screen. Yeah. Oh, they probably have multiple different versions. I bet it's a few, a few of this table that we're sat at. I bet it's like a set about that big. But what must so. be so hard for that kind of thing? And I think the same with animated films because I've watched the series Disney did on how they made Frozen Two. Is obviously you have to position a camera mm. that is not in real life mm. in a way. So like that positioning of where you put the shot is really interesting like and there was a really there was a couple of shots in the the new game del toro one and you thought wow they've really almost thought of they've really thought about placing the camera which must be something quite difficult for when you've got a few puppets so mm, yeah god i'm full of insight tonight god. Gee, honestly that, i'm yeah. ready now ready yeah. ready ne- for next category category yeah. two yeah uh, we're going for emotional reaction and mm. cultural significance. Okie doke. Um, so, I'll kick this off. Go on, please. Cultural significance for me, um, leading the way, is the original Disney film. Really? Yes. And I think the world would agree with me because the US has this thing called the National Film Registry. Mm-hmm. And if it's if a film is deemed culturally, historically or aesthetically significant, and Pinocchio was put into that fit registry in 1994. Okay. Um, and I just think the prevalence of Pinocchio in pop culture when that was so successful. And I know, yeah. the, I know the fairy tale existed, but the fact that We've had two films this year from a film that came out in 1940. Mm, from a book that was written in 1880. I would say that the original kind of trumps cultural significance for Fair me. Play. Yeah. I think the new Disney live action remake has absolutely zero cultural significance um, other than being crap. Um, I would like to jump in with that. In hearing and maybe counter your point and see what you think. Okay. So the original, obviously 1940, of its time, was very heavily containing of tobacco and alcohol use of minors. Yes. So, I mean, in terms of its influence on a generation of kids, maybe, I don't know what kind of impact that will have had on. Yeah. But... In order to keep something so culturally significant in popular um, minds, I can't remember where what the word is for that, mm. um, they're going to have to remake one 
to suit sensibilities of the 21st century where it is in fact not allowed to promote the use of tobacco or alcohol yeah. in minors. So I think it was almost a culturally significant decision to remake the Disney one sans alcohol and tobacco. Do you know what I mean? So it allows I get a where new you're generation from, of kids to connect with Pinocchio. But I'm going to be very cynical here. Yeah. And I will say that that was probably a very low decision oh, point of why they made, remade it. I am not so naive to believe that that's the reason that they remade it. Yeah. But it, what it does do is allow a new generation of kids to connect with Pinocchio, where an older film may be distasteful to attitudes of today yeah i get what you mean i get what you mean but i definitely wouldn't think that it's gonna have any kind of i think if people want to watch pinocchio out of the two disney versions they're gonna go to the original they're not gonna say oh let's watch the live action remake yeah in in my opinion and i think the new gemo del toro version i think is probably a bit too early to see its cultural impact i Mm. mean if it wins a lot of awards, as I mentioned earlier, it won Best Animated Film at the Golden Globes. Yes. And I think kind of now and again, having somebody that really kind of champions stop motion animation in that yeah. way of making films is, is very good to kind of keep seeing it and keep pushing that medium. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure everything Guillermo del Toro does will have some kind of, people will look back when he's no longer with us and say mm. his kind of filmography is a work of art. So yeah. um yeah, from that respect I would say mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But I think with emotional reaction Gemma del Toro's didn't get me in the feels the way the original did for me. I am completely the opposite. Yeah. About the Disney one I didn't get that, you know, the place where they take all the naughty kids and then they turn into donkeys. Dreamland? I don't know what it was called, but it was just like this weird place that existed outside of common knowledge and yet... Sorry, Pleasure Island. All of the kids went there. Yeah. And I didn't really get it. Like... It felt a very random turn for a story to take. It didn't feel like it fit in with the story line at all. And it just, in both films, it just didn't really make sense to me. Whereas I think the equivalent from the Guillermo del Toro version was when they were enlisted in the kind of youth army and they were training to be soldiers. That felt like it was that that part of the retelling and given the context in kind of Italy and the rise of Mussolini that um, he chose to tell the story through it made a lot more sense to me yeah I can get that do you know what I mean like when they went to Pleasure Island it just took me out of the story and mm. I couldn't really find my way back into it and then I ended up not being invested in any of the characters or anything apart from Geppetto because how could you not feel for him? 
Well, I know we're going to get to performances and acting and voices later, mm. so I'll leave kind of characters for now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. I did like the the creative decision that I feel like if you took a shot every time I said Guillermo del Toro, you would be absolutely wasted. Uh, but it's a point of kind of. Uh, are we going to be those people that shortens it to GDT? GDT. Um, yeah. Um, Just to make it easier to talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, yeah, it's... I do like the way he set it when he set it, and there was a lot more focused on, as you say, that kind of rise of fascist Italy during that interwar period. Yeah. Um, And I do think that was effective to kind of shine a light on what was going on during that time. Um, But, no, I think, for me, and I know the original will always skew with me, and kind of... Did you watch it as a child? Yeah. See, I never did. The yeah. first time I watched it was a couple of months ago. There's not many Disney films that missed me. Um, there's one which is getting a live-action remake this year, which you said you were excited for, which, for me, totally didn't really do it for me, The Little Mermaid. But there's oh, not... that was the first film I ever saw. I know. So I think there's that, depending on what film Disney films you watched as a kid, mm. um, I think that'll always have that kind of resonance yeah. with yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I think that <laughs> I've written quite a clever little point here. Actually, go on, go Guillermo for it. del Toro breathed life into the tale, much like the blue fairy with the puppet, <laughs> by setting it against the backdrop of Mussolini's rise to power. God, can you? Should write, you should write like. Critic reviews in newspapers and things. No, but I just really liked that. And I loved his choice of, um, like, designing the Blue Fairy, not as a human fairy, but as a biblical angel with wings of eyes and yeah, it was a like, freaky it face. It was, like, anthropomorphic, but not, wasn't it? It That's was fantastic. Yeah. Have you ever seen what biblical angels look like? No. Google image it. It's, fab- it's fabulous. So they're like that. They're terrifying. Yeah. Well, it was, I did think that was quite scary. Like, if yeah. they'd have done that in the Disney version, kids would have ran away from the screen. Oh, honestly. But well, it, I it think that's really why... obviously really suited GDT, our Gems version. Our Gem. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why um, religious artwork humanised angels, because if you went off of the description in the Bible be terrifying and nobody would want to be religious yeah <laughs> yeah no um, i've seen so things where angels weren't as like chubby little little kids yeah. with wings like That's cherubs they were... a different no but even those kind together. of things that, that yeah. originally a lot of them looked a lot more kind mm, of mm. scary and you wouldn't want them shooting an arrow at you kind of thing so no, that's true cherub i love that word little cherub. um should oh, we rank well, oh, no, and sorry. i also liked how um Argyam, raise the stakes in the story um, by, you know, how every time Pinocchio died, he spent a little bit longer in the afterlife before he could return. Mm -hmm. Um, That, to me, was a really clever And that bit wasn't in the Disney versions about him going to the afterlife. It almost reminded me of, like, Edge of Tomorrow. Have you ever seen that film where every time they die, they repeat the day? Every time he like oh. rocked up in that wooden coffin and was surrounded by those foxes, were they foxes? No, they were like hares. 
rabbit type rabbit things. Hair yeah, yeah. With like skeleton from the neck down. He's like, oh, I'm not like, here again, am I? Like, yeah. Um, thought yeah. that was interesting. I thought it was really cute. Um, okay, yeah. Should we rank them? Mm-hmm. Go on. What would you put last? I think it's pretty obvious. It is, isn't it? The live action remake. Shocking, isn't it? Yeah. Are you doing a ranking for each of us or just a collected one? I'm hoping we'll agree. Right, oh, right, okay, yeah. So if we come up against any, go on, what would you put second? Our Gems. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. (laughs) We're not going to agree. I don't think we're going to agree on this one. We might come to a log ahead. Um, okay, well, I'll note them. I'll note them both. Maybe the next two categories might split the the top two a bit, so, yeah. We'll work it out. We will, we will. Okay, category three is acting or voice acting. Okay, so, like, the original cast, don't really know them, but I would say from a voice acting perspective... It's very well... What are you shaking your head at? I just can't get Pinocchio's voice screeching. I've got no strings to hold me down <laughs> out of my head. But I think it's really well well done. Um, I would say the acting in the new version, like talking so negatively about the remake, I would say this aspect of it is a little bit more positive um i loved joseph gordon levitt as jiminy cricket i thought yes, he was same. very very well suited for the role um i liked keegan michael key as honest john mm-hmm. um cynthia revo was fine as the blue fairy but i don't think she was given all that much to do um, yeah, my problems with her as the Blue Fairy aren't with her as the Blue Fairy, no. but with what she was given to do with the Blue Fairy. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, Cynthia Revo can turn it. Um, yes, so, she can. Yeah. Very excited to see her in Wicked. Um, I loved Tom Hanks as Geppetto. Did you? Yeah, I did. He was. Tom Hanks was so Tom Hanks. No, I didn't like it. Oh. Didn't like it. That's two roles I've not liked Tom Hanks in. What's, What's the other one? one? I'm trying to remember. Oh, Elvis. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't like him in that. As general, whatever he was, whatever, Colonel. Colonel. Yeah. Not Colonel Sanders. Dickhead or what? <laughs> Sanders. I'm talking fried chicken. Finger licking gutters. <laughs> um, <laughs> fingies. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I didn't. It's a couple of roles mm. I've not liked it. And I hope I really like him in A Man Called Otto that we're going to see soon because... I think you will. Oh, I hope so. Um, I liked Luke Evans as the coachman. I thought his voice was 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 good when he sang because um, he is quite a good singer. Although I really like Luke Evans, but I hate when they pedal him out on Strictly on a Sunday night to like launch his new album where he's singing... Amazing Grace or something. It just makes me <laughs> want to vomit. Um, Didn't even know they did that. But like Luke done. Evans does like those old songs and he re-releases. Oh, yeah, it's right. rubbish. Um, and then for Guillermo del Toro's, I would say 
Gregory Mann as Pinocchio was very good. Again, you would hope that anyone who's cast as Jiminy Cricket does a good job. And I would say Ewan McGregor does a very, very good job. He is so well suited to Jiminy Cricket. Who knew? And what did they call him? Sebastian J. Cricket. Yeah. Yeah. Which was cute. Um, And... I didn't really... A lot of the voices I didn't actually twig was, was them. I mean... Oh, did you not? Kate Blanchett as the monkey. Well, obviously you didn't twig But that. did it ever actually speak or did she just scream all the time? I think it was majority making monkey noises. And then, you know, there was a couple of scenes where Pinocchio was chatting with the puppets. Yeah. I have a feeling that was Kate Blanchett as Spazzaturo controlling and voicing the puppets. I do think I did notice Christoph Waltz as Count Volp, Volp, Volpe, Volp. and I definitely noticed Tilda Swinton as the fairy, and the the afterlife spirit thing. Yeah, I really want to know what creature that is based on, like where the inspo came. Well, from. I've read her appearance is a chimera with the face of a human, the horns chimera. of a cat buffalo. Yeah, that's the the one. lower horns of a Jacob sheep, the body of a lion. And the wings of a bird. And I'd like serpent tails. And the two headed snail like snake like There tail. we go. Yeah. That's so, cool. Um, yes. Love that cool. one. Um Ron Perlman. Yes, I did yeah, did as, pop him as Podesta. Yeah. Um but yeah. Um, Do you not like David Bradley as um Geppetto? Filch from Harry Potter. I didn't really twig it, no. Oh, I liked it. It was really warming. Comforting. There are children out of bed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, and I thought... (laughs) There are children out of bed. (laughs) Sorry. You're done? Yeah, I'm done. Um, (laughs) Finn Wolfhard playing Candlewick. Didn't clock that either. Well, I wouldn't have known who Finn Wolfhard is. You do. Who? Stranger Things, Ghostbusters Afterlife... Is that him? Yes, yes. Oh, right. Well, I didn't recognise his voice, but I liked his character and I thought he did well at it. Um, And I liked the little design choice of his little hair to make him look like a candle because his name's Candlewick. Um, That's all I've got to say on that. Okie doke. So... But, I mean, overall, again, my favourite is Del Toro. Again... Overall, my favourite is... You know what? No, I'm going to go with Del Toro. I am. Uh, I do think, now we've spoke about it, he is my fave. Okay, go on then. Second. Original Disney. Original Disney. Um... And live action remake, whilst it was more positive on this category, it would still come last for me. Don't you dare <laughs> put the original last. Uh, You're going I to, aren't do, you? Yeah. I actually think I am. Ned, that voice of Jiminy Cricket, mm. Cliff Edwards in the original, has followed us throughout all of history. You hear it everywhere. Has followed you throughout all oh, of right, history. Okay. I never watched it as a kid. The only bit of Pinocchio I had as a child was the trailer on a different Disney video I had. And the clip that they chose 
was I've got no strings to hold me down. I've got no strings to hold me down. And it's just, oh, grating and shrill and <laughs> awful. So I'm sorry, God, I can't, never can't do it. You have such an aversion to a poor kid singing a song. <laughs> um, that's just, just how it goes. <laughs> so I think that brings us to our fourth category, would you say? Yes, which is quite a playful category, isn't it? Quite a fun one. Yeah. It's uh, who's your favourite Jiminy Cricket? I'll let you go first. Ewan McGregor in Guillermo del Toro. And I'll tell you for why. <laughs> I instantly knew it was him. I'm already a fan of Ewan McGregor anyway. And I liked um, his energy. I liked how kind of wisdom, the wisdom that he kind of brought to the story... Um, he kept it funny and light and the narration was nice and I love that he lived in the little knot in Pinocchio's chest in the wood so he made a little home there and then at the end, spoiler, when he dies Pinocchio (laughs) carries him around in his heart in a little matchbox and for all of those reasons that's my favourite Jiminy Jim Jiminy Jim Jiminy I would agree um, I like the original one, as I say, but that's probably skewed by my So does that put childhood. the original second, do you think? I did like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. But I yeah. didn't realise it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but then I did like it, and when I found out it was him, I was quite happy that it was him. But I still think for the quality of the film... Yeah, wasn't the best Jiminy. Yeah, Um, yeah, there was. Yeah, I would say that's my that's my list. Um, And I know that's all the categories, but one thing I have just remembered from what I did quite like, but Mm -hmm. it was very much um, it was quite masturbatory from Disney. (laughs) God, was to put all of those clocks on the wall in the live-action remake uh, yeah. had characters from loads of Disney films in. And I yeah. thought, whilst it's quite funny, it pretty much sums up this new trend they've got of doing all these live-action, look how good these films were, they were so worth mm. doing another version where it's got half the charm and the songs are nowhere near as good. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, speak some more while I do some adding. I would say it's pretty much... Are you, or do you want to do a proper countdown of the numbers? Because I feel like it's obvious what's won now. Well, I'm going to like add them up and okay. see if okay. it's as obvious as we have. Do you know yeah. what? I might, shall I pause the recording for two minutes just while I do no, the No, I can talk. I, okay. can fill, I can fill the air. Fill some um, air then. So if anyone knows me personally, I love whales. <laughs> um, and This is where you're going with it. <laughs> well, yes. Okay. And I would like to discuss the whale in each of the films. So in the original, it's a sperm whale, um, a naughty sperm whale who wants to eat them. And in the live action remake, it was just some kind of whale looking daft thing. Um, And then in the third one, it was like this kind of sea beastie take on a whale. And I really liked all the different versions of seeing how they got out of the whale's mouth um one was like a tickle of the tonsils i think one was uh, yeah smoke making the whale sneeze 
Um, but what it's like every version, they just get out of the wheel and then they, they end up back in it. And I just think it's a bit silly. But I remember... Maybe that's like in part the, of the story there. Yeah, I remember in the original feeling really scared of the whale for what for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was interesting. Have I filled enough air? Not quite. What else could I talk about? What else could I talk about? Um... I'm kind of stuck now, King, so you it's might okay. have to pause um, it. It, I think it is as obvious as we thought it was. Yeah. Come on, then. Let's do a roundup. In third place is... In third place, with 3, 6, 9, 12, 15, 18, 21, 22, 23 points. So highest points is the worst. Okay. 23 points is... Disney's 2022 remake. Yeah. Who directed it as well? You find that out. Was it Roberts? Was it Zemeckis? Which is shocking if he could... Yeah, it was. It was. Um, And Zemeckis is just not on a good... A good role at the minute. Like, to to take all of the charm that he took out of that film, when Zemeckis is kind of known for charm, you know, Back to the Future 2 and 3... Yeah. Forrest Gump, Castaway, Polar Express. <laughs> but like to do Pinocchio and then he did that really good. new version of The Witches in 2020, which I've not watched but was apparently not good either. Mm-hmm. He needs to he needs to step it up. Um, but yes, that's number three. Shall I do like a drum roll now because are you inserting it in? As I'll a, insert it as, as a sound a effect. Sound effect. So, drum in, roll, please. At second place is <laughs> Disney's classic from 1940. Yes. Which means that the winner. Oh, sorry, Disney's classic got 16 points. Which means that the winner with nine points. Wow. Was Guillermo del Toro's 2022. Pinocchio. So it was quite, I mean, the live action remake quite significantly was, was down better. there. But 9 and 12 points isn't that much, I don't think. 23, 16, 9. Oh, yeah. Pretty, like, staggered. But yeah. I think, yeah, interesting that. Um, a real kind of different format we've done. But Do we had this idea a while ago. We did, didn't well we? Well, last year. I no, was going we were going to do, do it in like November. Yeah. Um, I think that formula kind of worked quite well. So did I. We landed on a, a reasonable win. So if there's ever any battles we could potentially do in the future, then... Yeah, yeah, suggest. Feel mm. free, honestly. Yeah. I've had quite a good laugh doing this one. Yeah, it's been quite fun, hasn't it? I'm mm. glad you have. Mm. Especially with it being as late as it is on a Friday evening. Uh, you mean Saturday early morning. Saturday morning? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all for this time, folks. It's time for we get to bed. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film, please subscribe, rate, and comment on your podcast platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Gaze on Film Pod, and check out our letterboxes. Letterboxes, letterboxed accounts. Maybe do call it that. Letterboxes. Our letterboxes. Um, the links for those are in the show notes. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts about this battle of the poets. Espe- yeah, especially. And I might even put some polls out and see what our followers say. Yeah. Yeah. Put but... some polls on Instagram and Twitter. And... 
putting my poll on Instagram, King. We get shadow banned. <laughs> <laughs> so do feel free to drop us a message and respond to those polls that are going to come out. Um, I have been Ned. And I have been Declan. And this has been Gaze on Film. Thanks for listening. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.